0: Welcome to the Mindset Matters Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of mindset, entrepreneurship, and real estate. Your host is R.J. DeLeon. Whether you're a seasoned business owner, an aspiring entrepreneur, or looking to level up your mindset, this podcast is your go-to resource for inspiration, knowledge, and actionable strategies. Tune in. Lick'em tomorrow. That's a quote by Ulysses S. Grant. I'm really excited that it came about for the show and it comes through a heavy hitter, Tom Shellcross. I know a lot of you know who he is. I'm really blessed to have him on the show. I'll give you a quick snippet for anybody that doesn't know him. Tom Shellcross is born and raised in Chicago. He specializes in north and northwest sides where he owns and operates roughly 100 units Tom is the co-host of this straight up Chicago investor podcast he's a licensed agent and specializes in working with investors and has a full-time development company recently Tom joined Drexel properties to help expand upon Drexel's current 750 unit portfolio tom is an active father of four children excited to jump into that tom what's up
1: rj good to talk to you
0: absolutely we saw each other the other week at the nboa it was an awesome blessing how have you been
1: I, I've been well, man. Summer in Chicago is great. It's wrapping up here, but always, you know, always a good time. Kids are happy. I'm happy. You know, this is our uh, this is our prime season here.
0: Yeah, I hear it's like hundred degrees today.
1: Oh, it? it's hot. I was on a <laughs> roof today too. It's hot.
0: Oh man, Tom was on roof, and that tells you, being a business owner, you still have still have to be in operations sometimes, Tom. Give the viewers a background of who you are and how you got started.
1: Sure. Uh, so, as you mentioned, Tom Shellcross, born and raised on the Northwest side of Chicago, and I reside here today. Um, you know, I, out of college, I took a, a job that was primarily called cold calling, right? Like one of those where 90% of the people quit, but the 10% of people who make it, you know, have a pretty good going at it. Um, and from there had a decently good corporate you know from from there on like had good W2 jobs was always interested in real estate I bought a town home when I was fresh out of college at 22 uh I didn't know what house hacking was but I had a bunch of buddies living there so it worked as a house hack where they were paying everything and it was wow this is awesome and then I set out probably the greatest you know five years to buy real estate just because it wasn't a priority and looking back on it it's like wow we can be we can definitely be in a better situation had we made action, but there's nothing you can do about that now. And then, uh, you know, call it, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, I was doing private lending for Blake McRite, who is still a friend of mine, still someone I buy deals from over at Express Property Solutions. And, uh, you know, we started sharing profits and I was seeing what he was making on some of these deals. And I was saying, okay, this there's something to this. I should jump in. And and from there, it kind of went just, you know, both feet in and like, hey, let's go, let's, let's start buying some properties. So that's, when- that's the high level.
0: It went bonkers, as you could say. And it's weird how a lot of times it takes multiple experiences in a certain industry to really grasp the power of investing, the power of real estate. You're saying you missed the prime years. What years was that?
1: So I bought bought the townhome in 2007, right? So like, you know, the thing at, at some point was worth half of what i bought it for you know and uh-huh. i'm 23 going holy crap like what is this this stinks <laughs> um and then you know when i had a nice little corporate career and didn't really think about real estate and that was you know those are the years where you could buy you, know, you buy a two two unit three unit in portage park for probably under 300k which is silly now because mm-hmm. anything distressed is going to be double that um you know and, and would have been nice to buy back then i didn't you know so that that's you know, I said I'd probably like call it 2010 to 2014, 15, somewhere in that area. And it's like that's those are prime years, man.
0: Yeah, they were. But it's the classic story of it's never too late to start. You had FOMO, you didn't participate. But now you're here, you're operating 100 units. You just partnered with Jeff over at Drexel Properties, 750 units thinking back a couple of years ago or even 2009 would you ever think you'd be in this position
1: you, you know and I I do I do set out visions it's it's not the exact thing but it's like hey I'm going to do something with this opportunity I have right you know we we take for granted you know just being in the US we take for granted we have choices where there's abundance all around us and we kind of just go through our day to day with blinders on not realizing that so yeah. that is that has been something I've always noticed and said, all right, we're going to do something here, whether it's in the corporate world, whether it's real estate, whether it's something like I've always had that sort of vision. It might not have been as clear as you know what it is today. But yeah, like, you know, coming from the sales background, like you kind of have no cap, like there is always an opportunity to go out there and, and grind and make money.
0: Exactly. That puts into practice as long as you have some sort of vision, whether or not you understand if that vision is clear, if you have a goal you're trying to reach every day that you're working towards that goal, you're 10 times better than you were the day before. Slowly by slowly, what Sean Croxon always says, little by little, a little becomes a lot. And that's where we have Tom now at 100 units, which is insane. Amazing. Congrats on all that success. Tell me about your operations today, then. What are you currently doing? How do you take on that workload when you have four kids?
1: Yeah. So th- to be clear, like this is full time, right? I don't have any sort of w- W2 job. Real estate is, you know, 100% of, of the income to provide for the family. So there's a couple different call it I break, I compart- compartmentalize, if that's the right word. You know, there's the existing properties that I own and manage. And, you know, that's, we have, you know, there's people who do the maintenance, but you still have to do the triage. You have to be proactive. You have to do the renewals. You have to make sure that you're on top of everything. Um, one thing I have going for me, a lot of these are, you know, these are projects that Chris, you know, Chris has gutted, right? Like, these are projects that have new plumbing, have new electric. Like to, to be, to be frank, like my my portfolio is pretty easy to manage, mm-hmm. um, you know. So it makes the, that big number is not as daunting, right? Because you know you have seven hundred and fifty credit scores living in nice places where all the mechanics have been taken care of. You know, the work, the amount of work orders you get are, are probably less than what most people are. Right, you spend more money up front. There's a trade-off there, whether it's right or wrong, but it's just it makes life easier. So, um, so, go ahead.
0: can I, let me take that step back and explain to our listeners what you just meant there. So, Tom is talking about the repair and maintenance budget that you have to maintain the units. But when you have brand new electrical, brand new plumbing, brand new walls, HVAC, that maintenance upfront is lessened because you installed all the new components. Whereas if you buy a dated asset, say something with galvanized steel plumbing, old cloth wiring, that's when you start to get these significant amounts of service calls everybody looks at real estate as being a passive stream of income. And yes, it can be depending on how you operate in this space. What Tom has done is taken away a lot of that instability of real estate, by making sure the assets that he owns and he rents is updated sufficiently so he doesn't get these phone calls. He doesn't have 10-year-old stoves in there that are going to crap out. He doesn't have pipes that have clogged and congealed and he has to replace. Everything's new. Guys, I just want to dial that back and deduce what Tom was saying there because he's a B.A., and we want you guys to understand how we all operate at a very layman's level. So sorry about that. Go ahead, Tom.
1: No, all good stuff, right? And at the end of the day, you know, you, you can say that and it sounds great. You're still dealing with people, <laughs> no matter what yeah. you do the building. Like it's still, it's, yeah. it's not gonna be this magical passive thing. You're still dealing with, with human beings. Yep. Um, so So that's, you know, we're always looking to acquire there in my little neck of the woods, and then for actual income, you know, there's two big streams for me be- besides the, you know the rental income coming in, which is almost the annuity and the retirement the way I look at it. But the actual active income would be, you know, we still we do high end flips, and then I have my brokerage license, which I've I've started to ramp up over the last you know year or two, really working with investors in my neck of the woods, you know, looking to do their first house hack, looking to buy their first multifamily building. Um, and between that and the flips, that's kind of how we we keep the lights on and keep the machine moving forward nice and then so, and then you mentioned at the beginning of the show as well you know we i, I work with jeff over at Draxel. there's a, a small chunk of the portfolio that i operate for him and then working with him to try to find you know hey can we go buy another you know a 40 unit car, you know courtyard type building as opposed to the you know three units and six units that i'm scooping up
0: yeah so That's a partnership to which you want to scale the types of assets you're purchasing, because currently it's single family homes, two to three, four flats, maybe six nines. What's the largest building you have?
1: Outside of Drexel, the largest thing I have is an eight unit.
0: Okay, so Everybody that's listening to podcast, I want to let you know how successful Tom is, but how much he sees value in relationships and actually building a slow relationship by working for Drexel Properties. He's not coming in. He's he doesn't have the ego on his shoulders saying, I know everything, you know, let's partner and let's get a 40 unit. No, Tom is working slowly, diligently, proving who he is and proving that a successful partnership can work by working for uh, Drexel Properties. So I just want to say that, guys. Second, I do want to go back to where you're saying you're a broker because Tom's an amazing real estate broker, real estate agent, whatever you want to call them. So we always tell people when you're trying to buy a specific asset make sure you're working with an expert in that field so when you are trying to buy your 1st multifamily, do don't use your aunt who traditionally sells condos downtown Chicago because she's simply not going to know the nuances of being a multifamily broker and all the nuances and risks that come with that purchase. So, Tom, do you want to go ahead, use this moment? How can people get a hold of you to leverage your expertise, your knowledge, and simply your passion in real estate? How can... Somebody get a hold of you.
1: Uh, sure. I'm, you know, I'm all over social media. We can link to that. Uh, yeah, you throw the cell out there. I, I'm a <laughs> seven seven three six five five four three nine seven. So you, beep,
0: beep, you hunt beep, me down that beep. way. <laughs> I'm beeping it right, out. Starts nope. ringing
1: now. Uh, <laughs> exactly. no, but it, you know, we if I, I help, you know, it, it's a small box. It's hey, if you're looking on North and Northwest side, you know, if, if our goals kind of align, then yes, like hundred percent. It's almost binary. Yes, can absolutely help you. Will help you leverage the team that i've used for all my purchases you know whether it's you know contractors attorneys whatever inspectors and then if you're looking to buy something in you know east garfield park or whatever cool like i can refer you to three or four other people that'd be happy to help right like i kind of i know what i'm very good at and i don't really stray from there
0: yeah i like that too so going along with having that nuanced knowledge It's also the networks that you share, specifically with people that want to share and give and provide value. There's a lot of people out there that are very selfish and don't want to provide help when it comes to outside things or help when it comes to the possibility of degrading their position. I guess that's the best way I could put it that's why i really like tom tom and mark have been pivotal in my career as a real estate investor always super nice friendly guys amazing to see them out in the wild in the public like the nboa that we we're talking about on this show tom i'm going to pivot because we always want to get to know you as an operator and talk about the mindsets that you've developed when you are not participating in those amazing years of real estate was it limiting beliefs was it lack of knowledge was it you weren't passionate about it yet let's go back to those days
1: yeah and i don't have this whole like i'm down to my last dollar type of story that some (laughs) of these people have but you know i i had a good corporate gig and i was doing well right so it was it was you know where i got involved was okay this is one way i can make a return you know to to give you know be the hard money lender on these uh, small small flips right give someone 100k get 110 back you know 8 months later right so it wasn't like this well thought out plan and then you start seeing the numbers coming back and say wait a minute there's something here and then once i dove in it was like hey this is this is cool and this is also something where you're active you're out there you're not sitting behind a desk and it, it appealed to me right and then you find bigger pockets you read the books and just like everyone else you start going
0: how did how did you get into your first deal outside of that condo or whatever you bought in college?
1: We man, so I so I had Blake and I knew right away I needed someone to do the rehabs and I went, you know Chris is still my partner to this day and does the majority of the rehabs I do on all of my stuff and I knew him through a mutual friend. He actually built a bar in my house mm-hmm. you know that was that's that was my uh you know ten years earlier. so that was my my, my minimal I knew about him. But there's the one guy I knew in my network who had a GC license, so I, I reached out to him, hadn't talked to him in probably seven or eight years, and said, "Hey, would you be interested in flipping a house?" He said, "Sure, you know, whatever, man." And we, we did. <laughs> we went. And I think we. I think I put something on their contract like two days later. Like, all right, let's try oh, this. Wow.
0: <clears throat> and you know, multiple years later, how many projects do you think you've done roundabout?
1: So, right. I just had to put something together for an investor. On the north side, we've done over 50 rehabs, whether we've held them or flipped them. It's like 50 something. And then we probably did almost, I don't know, 30 on the south side when we're down there. So somewhere those numbers are probably plus or minus 10%.
0: Okay. So I have a, a great question for you, but not before I uncover what you just said in that message. So you knew Chris for about seven, eight years and had never talked to him on the in-between. You had a goal and somehow you dug back in your networking Rolodex and you leveraged the networks you already had. That's one huge mistake that newbies do not do you have somebody's number, you have these established networks, reach out to your current networks, they're going to be the best form of support for you. Because they know who you are, you already have an existing relationship Two, those people are not going to give you a chance if you're an asshole tom was able to call up chris seven eight years later never talking to him before but because of the cordial interactions they had previously chris is like sure why not fast forward five ten years later here they are they got 80 flips 50 on the north side 30 on the south side tom owns a portfolio of 100 units i'm sure chris is partner in a lot of those But that just goes to show, A, leverage your current networks. Don't sleep on that. Don't go out and try to build new ones because you have an existing network currently. Two, how you show up, how you appear, and how you come to the table really matters. I, When I bought my first property, I called up a window siding contractor who was my boss when I was 18. I didn't buy this property till like 33, 35 years old. He picks up the phone and he says, Yes, I I remember who you are. I'll be there next week. Gave me an amazing deal, and I still work with them today. So those are the the types of things that people sleep on. You know, overnight success, no. It's how Tom's been showing up every single day of his life, and he's leveraging the networks that he already had exist. I'll jump off my soapbox here, Tom, through all those projects, what was the worst one, and did you ever almost throw in the towel?
1: I mean there's a few there's a few candidates here, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I say here, here's the worst, the worst scenario we had was probably, you know, so everyone remembers COVID, right? Like, we, you know, as much as we try to block it out, it ended up being great for the real estate industry and things got back on track pretty quickly. But if you remember like March, 2020 into April, 2020, I mean, it was shut down, right? There was no <laughs> like essential worker. There was no nothing. And we were sitting there, we had ran, you know, we were pretty heavy there. We probably had about seven or eight deals going. I think two or three under contract to sell, where the sellers obviously, you know, they thought the world was ending, they're dropping out, you know. And then on these bigger projects, you know, your holding costs, your loan can be, you know, six, seven grand a month, right? So do some math here. You know, you got a bunch of these going on. You got a portfolio of however many tenants. You start doing some math like, all right, what if they none of them pay rent, right? That's a possibility. And you realize no matter how liquid you are, like, dude, this thing could end pretty badly, right? These guys can't go to work. I still have to pay my loans. I don't know what's gonna happen. I have these deals I, you know, that were ending that are not ending now because no one wants to buy. You know, that's that's a there's a three, four week period there where it's like, dude, like what's gonna happen? <laughs> right? This is not a great position to be in, right? That was probably in and, and we kind of look back at it and laugh now because the market goes bonkers and it ends up being the best year, you know, probably any of us had, right? Like it was everything ended up being better than expected. But I I, I can clearly remember those, you know. That three, four week period of just like, dude, I, I, it doesn't matter how liquid you are like this, these numbers are going to go pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. So what did you do to battle that? How did you prepare for the dark ending if it were to happen?
1: Yeah, we did. We did a couple things like, right. The, the, the deals we had to sell, we got them done, right. Even if we had to discount a little bit and we thought we'd make X and now we're just limping out with a small profit. We got them off the book. So your your exposure goes from whatever seven deals to four. You, know, you, you just get them done so you're you're not exposed that you can't be taken out by this black swan. And then with the tenants, you just get out in front of it. You know, and I think most operators did the same thing, you know. And then if they really did need issues, you were the one saying, This is how you get rental assistance, this is how you do it, this is how you fill it out, I'm here for you. You know, just being a human being and trying to get out in front of all this. So even if a couple of people are gonna take advantage of the situation you're still going to be in an okay spot
0: yeah i like that in terms of and then immediately mind- you know this is this, this is
1: the complete mindset of a real estate agent yeah. or you know a real estate junkie and then immediately went and bought a bunch of stuff right because you're like all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah you almost get over optimistic when you survive these things
0: i think everybody was in those <laughs> shoes i had a flip going on moving into march 2020 it was awful uh nine 12 month project turned into 16 18 months is pretty rough yeah but, we, had, we
1: had we had things yeah. open the city wouldn't come and inspect like you just yeah. had this yeah it's just like what do you do <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you do did you do anything to prepare mentally
1: yeah i mean mentally you realize like no one in my family is dying right like there's people waking up that don't know where you know in other parts of the world, they're waking up not knowing where they're getting their next meal. It's like, you know, suck it up, like deal with this. <laughs> and worst case scenario, let's say you lose all of this, you, you can build it back up, right? It would exactly. suck. It would be humiliating. It's fine. You can figure it out. Like you're not, you're not dying. You don't have cancer.
0: That's that's one of the biggest things here is. The ability, once you're a high level achiever, a high level player, you create the mindset that it doesn't matter what happens because I could always go back out and rebuild. The second thing that you're talking about there is gratefulness. Nobody's dying. Everybody's going to survive this. Even if you have to rebuild, it will be okay. So that's putting the positive thoughts forward, not... I'm going to lose everything hands in your face, like thrown in the towel. The one thing that we know is if you're consistent and you consistently move forward, you do your due diligence, mitigate your risk and are aware of all the outside components, then you could be prepared for the worst case scenario. I think you can tell the audience about this a lot when you're representing a buyer how often i found this so tough talking buyers out of buying something because it's not the right fit the numbers don't make sense how do you battle that as a broker
1: yeah and i, I can't remember who told me but i i might have been mark it might have been someone else it might have been Bree, but someone said like from the get-go when i started like you got to treat that person like it's your brother right so would you want your brother to buy that deal and it's like well no there's these flaws right X, Y, Z, like, let's move on to the next one. Right. You, you, you are getting paid a commission to be, you have fiduciary responsibility to get this thing right. Right. And if you're, you want that person to buy 10 more houses and they're not going to do that if you just set them up to fail or set them up with some risk that they're not aware of. Like that's your job. That's the whole reason you get paid. Like it's a very low bar in that industry. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I, I think if you talk to anyone I've worked with, like, yes, like, We've definitely have walked away from plenty of deals. Like you yeah. you were the one that is keeping emotions in check. Because they're getting emotional. You are the one, you're the gatekeeper, right? You're the one yeah. who's been through the process before, that knows what to expect, that knows how to handle those hairy situations.
0: Yeah. So That goes to show why you need to be with a specialist, somebody who's dealt with all the nuances. And two, you got to be able to trust and have a relationship with that person that is representing you. Again, like I said, there's a lot of snakes out there in the garden. You got to find the people that will lead you to the light. People like Tom, people like Jason, Mark. There's so many titans of the industry that a lot of people are afraid to approach, but you got to understand we're just people. We are just regular people and we care about the business that we do, which is why we've made it to a level that people don't understand or haven't seen yet because they're new in the industry. So if you ever see Tom out in public, say hi. He's not going <laughs> to bite off your hand. He's not going to tell you to go F off. I mean, that's just not who we are. The reason we've been able to create such amazing things is because we're human. We understand people, emotions, and we, for the lack of better terms, to treat everybody like they're our brother or our sister, especially when it comes down to business. Yeah, 100%. So I know, so you do a lot of intramurals, you have four kids, you got the, you, you work with Drexel now, how do you keep yourself sane? Where's your safe space?
1: Safe space, man, like, I, there's a couple. <laughs> uh, it, it's, you know, when you're with the kids, and for those who have kids, like the way they see the world is very refreshing. Mine are young, right? So the way like a six year old or an eight year old sees the world and what's important to them, and you kind of remember like, oh, yeah, screw this deal like it's not <laughs> it's not it's not that big of a deal. um just the the carefreeness the the waking up every morning of just like, oh, my toys are still here. it's gonna be a good day um so that that's always refreshing. I still play music, I used to play like in actual bands, but that's like the getaway of you know, hey, give me twenty minutes to jam out here and just be in my own zone so
0: you know, what do you I, play? Th- there's a
1: couple things, what uh, do you play? a couple different things. I'm a dr- I'm a drummer. That would probably be Gosh. the the thing I'm actually good at.
0: <laughs> I could totally see it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then I, I can I can fake people who don't know music that I can I can fake to them that I can play the guitar and the piano.
0: Oh, that's cool. All right, so those are passions, hobbies. What I really like that you said is the fact that there's learning lessons everywhere. That's a huge thing too. A lot of people are afraid to approach people like Tom because they have this notion that they have to add value. Well, you don't even understand that. Sometimes adding value is just not having a repetitive conversation, not being an awkward person in social situations or even adding value at this point, what he said about his kids sometimes he sees them and the way that they treat the world he's like yeah screw this deal this deal doesn't even matter when it comes to the large scheme of things they're happy they're grateful for the small things in life and oftentimes that's adding value it doesn't matter how much we know the success we've achieved a lot of times there's a checks and balances where you get slapped in the face and you're like, I forgot about that. That is such an amazing way to think about the world, such an amazing way to treat a situation. So adding value could be as simple as that. And yeah. don't bring yeah. the same conversations to us six months apart. And <laughs> cause that's what I, that's my pet peeve. I'm going to be the greatest wholesaler in the world. They disappear for a year. They come back. I'm going to be the greatest wholesaler. Well, where were you the last year? How many deals have you done? What are you doing? <laughs> so yes,
1: I, I feel like absolutely. you had something to add. I, I was just going to, I have a tangible example as you were talking. So like we were up in Thor County last week and like, I took the eight, the eight year old on a, on a wave runner. And like, I don't care how good of a deal I find. Like, I I don't think I'll ever have, that level of excitement. I don't know what in the world would get me that excited. Like just right. Like there's no, you, you can spoon feed me the greatest deal in Chicago right now. And like, I'd be very happy. I'd be awesome. I'd be stoked. But like, (laughs) I don't think I'd be able to match that excitement of an eight year old on a wave runner. Like it just, (laughs) it doesn't exist. It's like, it's on another level.
0: And what's amazing about that is bringing the fact that at a certain point, money doesn't make anything better. Money doesn't make you happier. It doesn't make the quality of your life better. At a certain point, you realize and all these high achievers realize they get to a point where they're like an extra deal, extra cash. That doesn't matter to me as much as happiness, as seeing my eight year old so happy on jet ski, as seeing my children watching them grow up and them wake up in the mornings and being super excited, super stoked, super happy. So, my son's actually going down for a nap. I don't know if you saw him uh, <laughs> or heard him a couple of times. He's in his crib screaming and playing with himself. And that's another sign, right? He's down for a nap. But he's so excited. And he's just playing with himself. And he's happy to be existing. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us about give us the hardest thing that you've ever had deal in your with in your life, real estate, not real estate, the mindset that you had during that. And now that you're here, Knowing that it would eventually all be okay, how did you deal with it? That one's yeah, that, deep.
1: Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I to to start with like the layer, like how do you deal with this or any of the situations? Like it, it's all perception, right? We've kind of hit on that a couple times, but you know, the, you're gonna the sun's coming out tomorrow, right? Like the, the quote we gave at the beginning, it's, it's hey, you just you go on, and it's the next day. What do we do? It's over. Like, what is the next step, and and how do we take it from here? Uh, I think it's Gary the Gary Keller quote of like the secret to getting ahead is to getting started. The secret to getting started is taking something complex or confusing and breaking it down to what is the next step, right? Mm-hmm. And from there, okay, we got to plow forward and we you know one step at a time gets where we want to be. So mm-hmm. yeah, going back to like directly answer your question, I, I would say, man, that the those first couple weeks of COVID were, were crazy. Like you start thinking like, man, we are gonna, I'm gonna run out of money. Like here I am thinking I'm king of the world and like if this thing continues, like we're just bleeding money every week, like what's going to happen here? You know, I, outside of real estate, I can't think of like that. I don't have like that cancer story or that, you know, crazy, you know, lost a friend at a young age story. Like I don't have anything that I would put up there. That's like, whole oh, Holy crap. How do you survive this? You know, just, yeah. just the usual struggles that at the time seem so immense. But then you look at them like two, three years later, it's like, eh, you know, <laughs> you don't even remember what was the, you know, yeah. you wake up. If you looked in your journal, a year a year ago three years ago five years ago you're stressing about something none of it's relevant today like all these yeah. problems they they come and they go you get through them and then the next one comes up and you gotta you gotta look yeah. at it that way
0: yeah i like that gary keller quote that you said it reminds me of a statement it's two words very powerful you could say one day or you could say it's day one just get started first of all, like you're never going to be able to move forward. Like I was saying, when it came to um, moving forward at all, is you just got to get started. Imperfect action, imperfect, massive action, I believe is a quote that I heard there. So and with everything else, it sounds like you've already had a level head to be able to understand the perception of the situation. But at the same time, what I know, from you, just knowing you, you're doing your due diligence, you're, you're you're checking all the sheets, you're understanding your specific situation so that you can handle everything as it comes. Control what you can control. Don't let the things outside your control worry you until you're actually facing that problem. That's a huge, huge, huge thing here and it's really a skill set that everybody has to learn a lot of people have high anxiety levels high stress levels and that's because they allow the what-ifs to control their thoughts don't let the what-ifs control your thoughts control what you can control and as it comes deal with the situation that's going to put you in the best position possible but as it comes controlling what you can control is being prepared for anything that comes down that pipeline. And that's one of the things that these amazing high achievers like Tom, we do. Maybe it's not so conscious, but we're very diligent in what we do. Again, it's not overnight success. It's not perfect timing for the most part. It's really being diligent and being prepared for anything that comes down the line.
1: Yeah. Do you have anything there's, yeah. <laughs> there's, I can't remember who did the quote, but it's, you, you don't get uh you don't become great in a day. You become great daily, right? Yes. You just, you got to put in the work and, and everyone's looking for the shortcut or the, the, the quick fix. And Mark and I always talk about this. Like you gotta go put in the work. You gotta want to do it. There's this illusion we have of, Oh, that, you know, I'm just going to do this and I, I do X and then I get Y and I'm happy. And it's you know, success isn't some like linear path. There's no there's no syllabus that you just follow and it works. And and you got to be able to roll with it.
0: Yep, exactly. And that, that's the biggest thing. It's not a linear path. You could have all the best mentors in the world. Your specific situations will come about differently. It's all about how you handle it and the mental preparedness you have to combat those things. I love it. Let's move on to our fun round. How about that? Did you know we had this round?
1: I don't I, think I, you know did. what when I when I booked the time, I went and listened to a few episodes just so I oh, wouldn't be man. caught
0: off guard. Oh, he knows <laughs> the fun round
1: crap okay so you talked about doing due diligence
0: here we are yeah exactly (laughs) yeah no that helps it's useful so the question i always start with is what's a weird food that you loved as a kid and would you still eat it today
1: yeah so weird food is i actually put like you take a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and i like putting like m&m's or something goofy in there and i still do that to this day
0: m&m's Peanut, yeah, something peanut, funny, something funny in a normal PB and J. That's awesome. It's sort of like putting potato chips in your deli sandwich. Yep. Same, I same really, concept. I love that. That's amazing. Okay. So you would still do it today. Um, oh, yeah. Regular M&Ms or peanut?
1: Well, uh, no one else in the house likes regular, anything besides regulars. That's all we got here.
0: <laughs> How would your best friend describe you as a kid, as a teenager?
1: Uh, I was I was competitive, the work ethic. Like I, you know, like in sports, I always I always got the coaches award or the the hustle thing. Like that was always me. So that, that's they they you know tongue and cheek say like yeah hard worker. And then probably make fun of me for it.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. I was the opposite. People saw me as somebody that would pick something up and lose interest. So I'm like, oh, all right, everybody can make it. That's just to say anybody can make it. Just change how you come to the table. If you were stranded on Desert Island, how would you keep yourself entertained? You could have any object, just no other humans.
1: I would take, uh, I'd probably take a guitar. I'd probably take, you know, a few books that would, you know, some something stoic, something to really change the mindset and just, all right, here's where we are. And let's, let's deal with this. I think that, I think that gets me through the day.
0: Nice. I'm, I'm actually reading Ray Dalio's principles right now. Have you read that?
1: I have not. Mark's got me on the Ryan holiday train though. So that's been, that that's been top of mind for me. And that's actually oh. where that, that grant Lickum tomorrow. Quote I first heard and I was like, oh, that's so good. <laughs>
0: oh, awesome. Lick him tomorrow guys. What's your favorite thing to do in your off time?
1: I got the four kids. That's that takes up a lot of time, right? And it's and it's awesome. They they're all as they grow, they all have individual interests. So it's not just like, hey, I could take all four of them to a fest. I gotta take, you know, this one likes to do X, this one likes to do Y. I still play. I play softball two nights a week in the summer. That just wrapped up here, and that's been with the same guys for you know over twenty years, and it's a blast and something I hope I can do for as long as possible. And then I'm I'm still active, man. I still play pickup basketball. I'm still still out there pretending I'm 22.
0: That's great. Your health is your wealth, and I imagine it it boosts your energy levels and everything you do. Do you have a workout routine?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty good. We have a I made like a little crappy hotel gym type of gym <laughs> in my basement, so I got I got that to go to and I'm I'm pretty diligent about it. I'm I'm decent.
0: Good. Good. That's awesome. Give us the most beautiful place you've ever visited.
1: So I got my, my last corporate job, I got to go out to Switzerland and I can't, it was probably two hours outside Zurich. I can't remember It's little, little town, but you're probably about 10,000 feet up or something crazy. Like it was, you're way up there in the altitude. And like at night you would see, you would see the Milky Way. You would see like, you know, just stuff you don't see in Chicago. And like, I never left Chicago. So like, this was just mind blowing to me. Like just absolutely insane.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Give us a message. You wish you could tell your younger self.
1: Take more risk. Like I would always been in, in, I, I always liked taking risks. I always, you know, it it was, it was something I did, but I I wish I would even done more. Right. You're going to look back on your deathbed and, and be like, you're not going to be, Oh, I'm glad I played this safe. Like you're always going to wish you have done more. Right. And there's an abundance of opportunity everywhere. Like, man, just take some shots. And if you screw up, it's fine. Like I was probably a little more gun shy than I 25 year old me. I wish wouldn't have been so gun shy.
0: Yeah. And we, so i just had a very interesting conversation and it was about risk tolerance and understanding that there's a different level of tolerance to risk depending on what you're doing this person I was talking about, he loved risk when it came to physical things, but when it came financially, he was super scared and afraid of everything. And there's also different risk tolerances as you go through your career. If I wouldn't known what I know now, I probably wouldn't have bought the first deal that I had, or at least I would have been a lot more hesitant because I knew. That it needed a lot more work. But because I didn't understand my risk and my risk tolerance was more risk adverse back then, we bought the property. It turned out to be one of our most lucrative buys. So that's just an understanding for everybody that's listening. Be true to yourself, understand your risk, understand that risk, risk, adjust depending where you are in your career, who you are. And it's also different in different aspects of your life. So you got to be true to yourself to have a clear understanding of who you are and how to move forward. Last thing, what does the future look like for you?
1: you? You know, don't take this as a lack of ambition, but it's 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 hopefully a lot of the same. Like I like the path I'm on here, you know, and then I I don't need to get to, Hey, I need to own a thousand doors or whatever. You know, there's the quote to go, comparison is the thief of joy. Like I, I want to keep plugging along the way we're going and, you know, wake up and be 50 and be like, wow, like, look at what I have here. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot more of the same. And that's not, that's, I don't want that to be taken as lack of ambition. It's just, this is the path. Like, I feel like this is the right path, the right balance and, you know, go out and do it every day
0: i believe you connected with a perfect person for that because i was asking jeff about his portfolio and he said you know i never had these huge grand visions i just every year i'd buy a building i'd buy two buildings two buildings turned into three or four buildings and now now he wakes up at the time i believe it had a 600 unit portfolio now you guys are at 750. Is that self-owned? That's 750 within the Drexel properties portfolio.
1: That's within the portfolio counting third party management. I think it's like five hundred and two fifty. and 250. So okay. it is mostly owned. And man, he's he's absolutely right. Like that's someone if you're younger and you know looking to take over the world, like it's a great person to talk to. Like he just talked at you know your Chicago multifamily meetup this Monday. Mm-hmm. We're recording this on Wednesday. And, and it's very, very good messages, right? You know time is the biggest asset like that's what you take away from this is did you buy two good buildings a year you're fine (laughs) you get to live the life you want to live and you know he's living proof of that so yeah absolutely great great parallel to make there
0: comparison is the thief of joy and i cannot tell you guys how many times looking back we were not happy with where we were at because we're comparing ourselves to where we should be well success is in a linear path like we've been saying this whole time and that quote is is something everybody should keep in the back of their mind comparison is the thief of joy because nothing will ever be good enough No amount of money, no amount of time will be good enough if you're constantly comparing yourself to what somebody else has, comparing yourself to what you think you should be doing. Just be happy and diligent in the current path that you're on. So Tom gave out his cell phone earlier. I'm going to let him reiterate one more time tom how do people get a hold of you how do people get a hold of the podcast are you looking for guests how can we help you out
1: awesome so i was going to play a funny prank and just give out one of my friends phone numbers so you have to deal <laughs> with all these random real estate calls but i won't i won't do that <laughs> 773-655-4397 yeah the podcast straight up chicagoinvestor.com if you're looking to get more information on chicago if you're looking for free resources we have it all there take a look if you're someone that would provide value to our listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, man, like anything, you know, I I truly love this city. That's the whole reason we started this podcast is you know just to shine the light on the people who are killing it here. So if you have a good story to tell, if you have a struggle to tell that's going to help someone else, we'd love to hear it.
0: I can't reiterate how amazing that podcast is. Over three hundred thousand downloads now. Is that right? You that's guys correct. Are- they're moving on up to 400,000 downloads. They've been listened to from multiple countries across the world. And myself has seen extreme value from listening the podcast, but also being a guest on the podcast. And I'm going to bring it back to this. I would have never gotten that opportunity if I was super selfish, if I showed up Didn't add value, constantly had my ego in front of me. You got to find and connect with people like us, sort of, that sounds selfish, but you got to connect with people that you vibe with very, very well, that match your emotional intelligence, do and have the things that you want to be doing, the aspirations, ambitions, and are on the correct career path one thing i'll leave the audience with is too many times as a new entrepreneur you try to force others to think the way that you are thinking that's why typically a lot of entrepreneurs fail because they're looking at the wrong resources to be their confidence boost, to be their partners, to be a sounding board. If I'm talking to my mom about real estate, she loves me and she has all good intentions for me, but taking her advice probably isn't the best thing to do. You got to connect with other people that are actually high achievers in the industries that you want. This is a mindset podcast. We lay down a lot of the same ground rules But I just want to leave you with that. If you loved what you heard here, please like, subscribe, send Tom a message, send me a message, and we'll see you guys later. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Mindset Matters. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button to stay updated. We'd also appreciate it if you'd leave us a review. Your feedback helps us improve the show. Thank you for being a part of the community, and remember to keep that positive mindset. Until next time.